Hello, and welcome to Coaching Trees, a podcast for coaches by coaches. I'm your host, Dave Hoger, and today's guest is Kevin Wallace, head men's lacrosse coach of Eastern University in St. David's, Pennsylvania. This interview is really near and dear to my heart as Kevin Wallace gave me my first opportunity as an assistant coach at Eastern after I graduated from there in 2012. He has a lot of great things to talk about today and a lot of great wisdom and knowledge to share about his time as an assistant and serving as a head coach at the high school ranks before getting to Eastern. So I'm really thankful for his time today. I really hope you enjoy the conversation. And without further ado, let's get right to it. Coach Wallace, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Doing great, Coach Hugger. Thanks for having me. How are you? Good, good. Yeah, excited to have you on, excited for this conversation, and, you know, excited to, you know, just show our listeners, you know, a little bit more about you and and your time at Eastern and what you've been doing. This, uh, This interview is special to me. You know, Kevin Wallace was my head coach my senior year at Eastern and uh, gave me my first opportunity as an assistant coach. And so really excited to uh, have this conversation with you today, Coach. So I wanted to start our time just by talking a little bit about your early life and, and your upbringing. And really, I wanted to start by just learning a little bit more about the role that sports had in, in your upbringing growing up. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks again for having me. Uh, Dave, it's kind of funny you bring up uh, 2012 because obviously, as you know, that that team's uh, championship run was just put on YouTube, and it's been fun to watch that. And um, me and Dan Mao, who's our sports information director, still at Eastern, talk about that team and what that team could have accomplished given a chance uh, that 2013 year, and uh, just kind of how good those teams were uh, and comparable. So it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun lately talking about that team. And, uh, as always, it's always going to be the team that's most memorable to me and most special to me, uh, and what we were able to accomplish together in, in those times. So, you know, sports to me has been my whole life. I've played, uh, almost every single sport, I think other than football competitively. Um, so I've always been involved in sports, grew up in a family with two older sisters that were highly competitive in sports and a younger brother. Um, my parents were both athletes in high school, um, coming from Ridley High School, just outside of Philadelphia and PA, big sports high school. Um, my grandfather was a big athlete. He's in the Delaware County Hall of Fame uh, for Ridley High School outside of Philadelphia. So he's in the County Hall of Fame plus the School Hall of Fame for football. He was, what I understand, a very good linebacker and uh, running back. He was a tough guy. Um, and he was always tough on us growing up as kids. He supported us. He was always at our sporting events, pushing us. Uh, telling us we weren't good enough and uh, which, uh, you know, for us helped us a lot. You know, we respected him a lot and uh, he was a really big influence. I could tell you um, my siblings would probably tell you the same with us and being competitive and our competitive drive in athletics. And, you know, that's just been, we were uh, that family on weekends. We saw each other maybe for breakfast and maybe for dinner, um, but we were on the road traveling with soccer teams, sister softball teams, basketball teams and then you know I didn't really start getting into lacrosse till in high school when we finally added that as a sport at our high school ironically enough we added lacrosse and football the same exact year at Avongrove High School um, which is in southern Chester County PA and uh, so um, you know I was pretty committed to soccer at that time so I I took the lacrosse route 
and the uh, Eric Jackson, who's a legendary coach down at Avon Grove, who just retired after 19 years. You know, when he started that program, he came and found me and a bunch of other close friends that were all really good athletes and said, hey, you know, why don't you give the sport a try? You're not doing anything in the in the springtime. And uh, we started started playing lacrosse, and the rest is history. That's awesome. Good. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. And, you know, I, I think that's pretty um, pretty telling about who you are as a coach now, and, and we're going to get into that in a little bit. Um, so you mentioned Coach Jackson. You mentioned your grandfather. Anybody else in your early life that made an impact on you as a person and, and as a coach, you know, and kind of how you go about the profession of coaching today? Yeah, I mean, my parents, my mom and dad were obviously very supportive in our athletic endeavors and really, obviously, it wasn't for them taking us everywhere. You know, we wouldn't be where we are today. And, you know, so their support early on was huge. Uh, I'm a big Coach K fan, and you obviously know this about me, you know, Coach Shiseski down at Duke. I've loved Duke uh, ever since I was a little kid at basketball as a big basketball guy. I always dreamed when I was in my driveway shooting hoops at night that Coach K was behind the wood pile watching me shoot and he was going to offer me a scholarship one day um that obviously never happened um I wasn't wasn't that lucky to get that but uh just how he coached you know the best of the best and how he handled you know high-end athletes and his demeanor and his coaching style is just something that I've always really enjoyed um and you know I read a lot of his books today you know he only has a couple out but I've read them all, and a lot of my mentality and my philosophies came from Coach Krzyzewski on uh, building team culture and building a team and, you know, how to go about a season uh, as a, you know, as a player and a coach and how to lead, um, you know, young men. So that's really been in terms of a mentor and someone I've really looked up to, um, you know, but early on in my life, it was obviously my, my siblings and then my parents and my grandfather were really my mentors and people who held me accountable. I had a soccer coach, Coach Hitchens, my travel soccer coach growing up, who I still see regularly. I'm still uh, really good friends with his two sons who I played sports with growing up. He was a really big mentor in my life, just taught us how to be men, taught us how to, uh, you know, be responsible and accountable. And, um, you know, he's somebody, every time I see him, I tell him how appreciative I am of him and what he did for my life and did for sports. And, you know, the same group of guys, we played soccer together since we were U9, and we traveled all the way up almost through high school together. So um, so he was a really big influencer in my life and somebody that, you know, I, I can thank on a regular basis for where I am today because uh, I think it's really important when you're young, when you have those kind of mentors, it really shapes you and guides you and molds you, you know, to kind of stay out of trouble and stay in the mix and, you know, stay active. And he was very vital in that. Awesome. Awesome. I appreciate that. And we're going to put a pin in culture because I definitely want to get back to that. But just a couple more questions here, just about your early coaching journey. How'd you get into coaching? When, when did you know you wanted to pursue coaching? Uh, you know, I know you started in high school coaching. And so you wanted to just dive into that a little bit about you know where you've been and, and how, you, how you got into it and how that led you to where you're at now. Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, I played sports my whole life. So sports has always been a part of me and what I wanted to do. I knew in high school I wanted to be a teacher. Um, that's kind of what I wanted to go to college for because I wanted to coach. I wanted to give back. Uh, the coaches I had in high school, in middle school even, are some really big. I feel like every coach I've had has left an imprint on my life. I can't really say that I've ever had a bad coach that hasn't at least given me something positive to take with me. 
Um, so that aspect uh, of my life was huge. So that's kind of why I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to coach. I wanted to give back to the, to the youth and to the sports that gave so much to me. I used to work basketball camps when I was in high school for younger kids. You know, I was coaching lacrosse to younger kids, doing clinics and stuff like that in college. So I knew I always wanted to coach and kind of go about that uh, avenue. So when I graduated college, I had an opportunity to move to California and I had some family out there. Um, and so moved out to California and uh, really just started. I got lucky, uh, to be honest. A lot of my coaching, I, I have to, you know, uh, to God and to be really to be that was luck. You know, I found a coaching job at Servite High School, like you mentioned before, and, uh, you know, took that program over. They had parents as coaches. Lacrosse was still very new in California at that time. Uh, most of the kids were cut from the baseball team that I coached, and that's kind of how we made our lacrosse team. A bunch of kids that were athletes that maybe our football team was one of the top teams in the state there. So if they weren't that good, then, you know, they stopped playing football, couldn't, you know, commit to that kind of dedication a high-end high school football team requires. So those kind of kids were the ones I had on the lacrosse field. And, um, you know, we were able to, you know, take that team to their first ever playoff game, uh, our second season there. And uh, I was able to bring out some coaches from the East with me, which was really helpful. Uh, my best friend from college, Justin Rank, he came with me in my, in my second year there. But yeah, it was just, you know, I was blessed to be at a all boys Catholic school there and they had the resources and were really wanting to get lacrosse going. And, um, you know, they're still competitive to this day. The guy who took over for me is still the head coach there, uh, which is awesome. Um, so, you know, it's still good to have those contacts. But that's really my first, that was my first foot in the door. Uh, and then Coach Childs, who was the head coach at Eastern at the time, was looking for a graduate assistant, somebody more specialized in defense. And I threw my name into the hat, and uh, out of 75 applicants, I was lucky enough to get that job. Um, so Coach Childs was saying he had a lot of people apply, and he was just using his contacts to see what people he should interview. And I happened to reach out to the head coach at Ursinus at the time, who was Coach Steele. And I didn't know him and Steele were really good friends. And Steele reached out to Childs on my behalf. Steele didn't know much of me other than coaching against me when I was a player at Ursinus College. And uh, just, you know, um, said good things, I guess, about me as a player. And uh, I flew in on Memorial Day weekend, to be honest. And on a red eye, I had the interview that morning. And then I was at my best friend's wedding that night. So it was a whirlwind of a, of a trip. And I uh, flew back to California a couple of days later to get the call that I got the job. Uh, and then I drove all the way back across country uh, in end of July, early August. And as soon as the day I arrived back home, I drove to University of Delaware and did my first recruiting event with Coach Childs at Hotbeds. So, uh, you know, and then the rest is history from there. Love it. That's awesome. Uh, no, that's a that's a really great story. I appreciate you sharing a little bit about, you know, your time at Servite out, out west and then coming back and um, working under Childs, you know, at Eastern before becoming the head coach at Eastern. And so, how do you think your time as as a head coach at the high school level and then an assistant uh, at the college level helped prepare you for the role that you're in now? Yeah, I think a lot of the coaches I had growing up have always been key on relationships. And for me, it's always been my number one is building relationships with my players, with my players' families, with people in the community and around the program. 
Um, I just think that has always just had an impact on my life is having those relationships. As you know, players go through so much. We go through so much and went through so much in our college career, our high school careers. Having those mentors, having people you can go to that you trust and respect that have your back and just can help you through life has been my number one makeup as a coach. That's always been my number one goal. Um, that's the thing that still makes me not sleep to this day is if I feel like I don't have a good enough relationship with my guys. If I feel like I, I don't know them well enough, they don't know me well enough. And um, they're the things that I, you know, that keeps me driving and keeps me going uh, as a coach. So I just love that aspect about what we get to do and building those relationships and having guys call you 10 years after you coach them to tell you, you know, they appreciated something or, you know, to ask about advice and getting Christmas cards from those guys now and their families. And that's always been my route and been my, you know, my base on how I go about coaching. So, um, you know, relationships uh, from that. I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, no, that's good. That's um, good. You know, what, that's um, let's base. press into that a little bit because I think that from my time playing and working for you, that, you know, obviously was, was clear as day that, you, you were a guy that cared deeply about his players and you wanted what was best for them. And, and um, you know, I know that's still the case today. Well, let's talk about fostering those relationships. What, what does that look like for you? What is important in, you know, what is important in the process of doing that and building those relationships so that they are, you know, genuine and you can, you'll kind of also then use those relationships to, compete at a really high level too. On the yeah. Field. Well, I think kind of getting into like when I was named the head coach at Eastern as an interim head coach when Coach Childs moved on to York, I was, I think, the youngest head coach at the time in all of college lacrosse. Uh, There's 24 years old, I think I was at the time. So, you know, you really got to figure out quickly, these guys are either going to follow you and fight for you or they're not. And they got to respect you. Uh, you were a player, you know, um, so you just really had to get to their level and just say, you know, I'm a real person. I get it. I was a player at your age. Uh, I know, you know, the coach that you love just left, um, but that doesn't stop us from our goals. It doesn't stop us from achieving what you came to Eastern for. You came to Eastern to get the best education you possibly could to get you to where you want to go in your professional career. And that's got to be the foundation. And then let's build off of that together. Let me hold you accountable to getting good grades in school. Let me hold you accountable to being the best person you can possibly be. And then once all that's there, then we can work on being the best lacrosse player you can possibly be because then that's fun. Then we get to have fun together. The hard part's the first two things I said. So, you know, I, I think I really had to learn as a young coach to connect with you guys as players. This was a good team. I was very lucky to kind of take over a team that was ready to succeed. And, you know, brought in a good freshman class that year. And, you know, we were, you know, ready to compete and ready to hold each other accountable. We just needed to learn how to win and how to win those games and how to compete at that high level. We all knew we had talent, putting that together and then believing we could actually win those games and compete with the best of the best was something we all had to learn together. Um, so having that open door policy, having meetings with guys on a regular basis, just wandering around campus and running into you guys on a regular basis and seeing that I was a real person. Um, you know, I think being involved in, in all the athletics at Eastern was really important too. So I was working games, getting to know all the athletes, 
guys on campus were able to see me in a different role than just their coach. I was working soccer games or basketball games on the clock, or I was in the stands cheering with you guys at volleyball games, whatever it was, you got to see me in all them different ways. And, but it was also, you know, I had to find a way as a coach too. And when it was coach time, you know, coach Wallace is still our coach, even though he might only be a year or two older than us. Uh, how do I draw that line? And, you know, where do we draw that line? And um, so that was a tough road to navigate because I was your assistant coach. I was that guy you could go to when you felt like the coach was too hard on you. And, you know, I could, you know, have that be that softer spot or support you. And now I had to be that other person. And how do I continue to be both of those guys? And once uh, was tough, you know, bringing in a staff, I think was really important. Getting guys, you know, I think bringing in Coach Swinburne that first year was huge. Guy that knew how to win, one at the highest level at Salisbury. Um, you know, could bring in Coach Gallo over, um, you know, from her sinus, you know, a specialty guy. He really knew how to do the technical side of things. The computer side of things was really good with film and breakdown and highlights and stuff like that. And then bringing Coach Kendrick, who just brought that tough, you know, he was older than me. You know, no one really knew him either. So three of the four guys on staff, I believe, that year were all fresh faces. Yeah. So, you know, other than me, you know, it was all kind of learning how to, you know, respect everybody and kind of what that looked like. So, you know, it was definitely tough early on as a young coach. And I know this is geared for a lot of young coaches and that is tough and it is tough to get your foot in the door. Um, but there's an opportunity. You just never know when that's going to present itself. I didn't know I was going to get that opportunity at that time. And when it presented itself, you got to be ready. And, you know, I think Coach Charles did a good job of, you know, we had to be ready. We had to be on our toes as assistants when we weren't doing our jobs. He held us accountable. And, um, you know, that's something I can, you know, give back to him that, you know, he, when it was our turn, you had to be ready to coach. You had to be ready to do your job. And, you know, when that opportunity presented itself, I had to be ready because, you don't in this world, you don't get them very often. It's hard to get a job nowadays, especially in our lacrosse coaching job. There's so many people now, you know, it's still a growing sport, but the coaching jobs are hard to come by. Um, so, you know, definitely uh, blessed to be where I am. But, you know, again, just all about relationships. Good. Awesome. What, um, what drives you? What, what drives you to be the coach you are? I think being able to do something that nobody thinks you're able to do drives me. You know, nobody thought I was ready to be a head coach at that time. Um, nobody, uh, nobody recommended me for that job. Nobody, uh, I didn't really have many mentors in coaching. I don't really have that guy I can go to to say, Hey, I'm struggling with this. I don't. I only knew Coach Childs for one year working with him. You know, now we, we coach against each other in the same league. Um, and he moved on. And obviously our, our lives are different. I still, you know, think he's a very good coach and I still look up to him. But, you know, I don't have that comfortability just to call him on the phone and say, hey, I'm struggling with something. Um, my high school, my college coach is now in high school down in Florida. Um, so I just really don't have that coach I can just call and go to. Um, so I think for me, it's just been a self-driven drive of nobody expects, expected me to be good at coaching. Nobody expects me to win at Eastern. You know, a lot of people, you know, still are surprised I'm still there. You know, it's a school you're not, it's a Christian, small Christian's college in the hotbed of lacrosse just outside of Philadelphia on the main line with tons of really good colleges around us that are good at lacrosse. So you know, we shouldn't be good. People don't think we should be good. And so I think what drives me is competing at the highest level when you're not supposed to be there and doing it with guys that are selfless, 
and just want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. I get to go to work every day and enjoy going to work to coach guys who care. I don't have to deal with much disciplinary stuff. Academically, we've been, you know, a very solid group of guys. And when guys know they're coming to Eastern, they're coming there for a reason. We don't have frats and sororities. There's only 13, 1400 students there. Um, so it's a different place. And, you know, I, I think that's what drives me. I want to win at the highest level somewhere that you're not supposed to win. Because mm. everybody who wins is supposed to win, usually, right? Yeah. Look at Gonzaga. I mean, Gonzaga basketball, what Mark Few's doing with them is unbelievable. Yeah. They're not supposed to be good. They don't get the top five recruiting class or even maybe top 10, 20 recruiting class a year. I mean, they're getting kids now, but even last year, I don't think they were in the top 10 in recruiting. And they're the number one team in the country. He's got, he's finding guys that want to go somewhere that want to be a part of bigger, you know, something bigger than themselves. They're a great team. He's working with them as a team. And um, that's who you see being successful is those kind of teams. You know, I know Alabama gets the best players, but they also have a coach that makes them think bigger than themselves. Yeah. And, and, you know, yes, they're talented. Um, but I think even, you know, what you're seeing is teams are winning because they're good teams, not because of the best players. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's what drives me is I want to win at the highest level with, you know, the best team and best group of guys uh, that care more about each other yeah. than – their personal success. So that's really what drives me. So let's, uh, yeah, let's press into that. Um, you know, I think there's, there's two things that I think are coinciding with what you just said. That's culture and recruiting. Right. And I think those two things work hand in hand, right? If you're going to be successful, you have to get the right guys in to buy into what you're selling them. Right. Yep. And I think that that is something that you're really good at is selling guys on no this is this is why we're distinctive this is why right eastern is who it is and if you want to be a part of it then we want you right or, or whatever the case might be right mm-hmm. so let's press into that a little bit and talk about you know what does the recruiting process look like like look like for you guys and you know how does that fit into your overall culture that you have really well established and are continuing now yeah I mean, I think recruiting is really hard at Eastern. Uh, I would say, you know, it's one of the harder spots to coach and, and to recruit at because there are so many good college, even Division three schools like us, within 10 minutes. I mean, we got, I think, four Division three schools and five square miles to Eastern. Um, now, not all of them have lacrosse, but two of them do. Um, and then, you know, within 20 minutes, you could be at, I think, 15 other colleges that have lacrosse. So, it's a really hard area to recruit in, in general. And then two, you're at a small school, no frat, no Greek life, doesn't have football. And, you know, it, it, you have to understand it's a Christian institution. It's a faith-based institution. And, uh, you know, so you really got to go find the right kids. Um, and that's why we have a national roster. You know, Coach Child started that before I even got there with a lot of kids from out west and, you know, Aaron Benz from Kentucky and, you had the Darlings and the Rons and the Kenyans and, you know, all those guys from out in California. And so we were able to keep that going. So it's a national recruiting. You get guys from out West that want to be East, want to play at the highest level um, and want to be at somewhere, you know, a place that's bigger than themselves. And they want to compete with the best. Um, and that's, so we've still kept that recruiting going. And then what we've really tried to do is recruiting is really build our inroads around the community at Eastern because there is so much, much good talent. You really got to understand that, Going to any college is what you make it. And at Eastern, 
it's different, but it's what you make it. And I really think Eastern does a good job of making their institution like the real world. You're going to be surrounded by people that have all different viewpoints and religions in you, and you got to figure that out. You got to figure out how to work together. You're going to have somebody across the desk that's on your team in your company that believes the complete opposite is you. And how are you going to work together to achieve that so you can both keep your jobs and move up in that company? Um, and I think that's really true to who Eastern is. And uh, so really under making that to the students understand this is what it looks like. Uh, we have really good majors. You know, our engineering, you know, partnership with Villanova is unbelievable. Uh, I think unmatched anywhere in the country. You're not going to find a better engineering degree for a better price, period. Um, because, you know, it's a four plus one program. And that's really helped us a lot, get some really good players. Um, but, you know, it's really getting out there nationally. And, you know, our locations helped us. We have a gorgeous campus. Um, they're continuing to provide uh, resources for athletics, and that's continuing to this day. Um, so the recruiting side of things is difficult, but I'd be able to build a staff that gets it. We can draw a big net, and we can go find the right kids that want to be at Eastern. Um, and then when you have the right kids, and then it's just coaching them and just pushing them and holding them accountable because that's where they want to be um, with that. So, you know, that's the recruiting side. Now, culture, I think, is phase two of what you're talking about. And your question. So I think culture is just, you know, again, you know, Coach Childs there before me was necessity of the other, who's in your foxhole, you know, burn the ships, that whole mentality is something we keep going and we build off of. You got to be able to fight for the person to your right, left, forward, behind you. You got to respect each other and you got to be able to hold each other accountable. So I give a lot of my powers, I guess you could say, as a coach to my team. This is their team. It's not my team. So my captains and leaders have a, have a big, big say in what's going on in the program. Um, they have their own groups for study hall. They're platoons, we call them. And it's they draft them at the beginning of the year, and that's the guys that they stay with all semester. When they play indoor together, they're doing that intramural stuff, pickup, you know, that kind of stuff is all within those platoons. So it builds a little bit more camaraderie within the team. I now and my leadership team have somebody from every single grade. So there's a freshman leader that gets named at the end of the fall so that the freshman class feels like they're represented at the table and they have say in what's going on at captain's meetings. I have a sophomore leader and then I have my captains that are usually juniors and seniors. So every class is represented. Everybody has say. And then you also know you have a point person. If you don't like how something's going or something's going on, you can go to that person and say, hey, and bring that up and get help or get, get that back to me or get it to the coaches if you don't feel comfortable talking to me. You have people you can go to within your in your class too, uh, to talk about. So, you know, in terms of culture, it's just, you know, we've always been that team on campus that when something needs to get done, it gets done because we do it. And that's, you know, still this way today. We need to hang windscreens or take them down or we need to take something out to the dumpster or we're clearing something or doing uh, campus cleanups. Our team's there and we're, we're keeping that culture going where it's about the whole community and not just us. And yeah, we're so part of something about shoveling with, with tables. Yeah. We don't do that anymore. I now have a, we've upgraded to a snowblower that has yeah. heated handles. So I just walk up and down the field all day. Yeah. And then when I can't do it, somebody comes and takes it with me. And then uh, two years ago, we actually paid for uh, some skid steers, two skid steers out there to shovel all that. <laughs> but honestly, lately, like last year, our first snowstorm this year is more snow than we got all last year. 
So we the last couple of years have been lucky on not too much snow and having to worry about that. But hopefully we'll see what happens this year. But yeah, we don't. Uh, you know, we do shovel still. We still, uh, you know, earn our keep, and uh, we still take care of things. But uh, it's not what we were doing when you were there and filling up, <laughs> you know, drink bins and wheeling them to the side oh, and yeah. tables. And I got rid of all the. We've destroyed all those tables, so they had to go. <laughs> They no longer exist. <laughs> We've upgraded to plastic so we can get away with that now. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. So uh, taking it in a bit of, of a different direction to focus a little bit more on, I, I guess, you as a coach, how do you personally continue to grow and develop as a coach? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, um, the last couple of years, I've really tried to make it a point during our coaches convention to watch more coaches and to watch presentations and learn what other people are doing. I've been lucky to get in, in myself into a couple of big committees. I'm on the NCA rules committee that has coaches from all different divisions in it. So right now it's myself, Lars Tiffany from UVA, University of Maryland's head coach. Um, coach Petromala is on there as well as a representative to the IMCLA. Um, coach uh, down at UPenn is on there. So I, I'm really lucky to be a part of a group right now that has, you know, they've won a lot, won some national championships lately, and just, uh, you know, get to pick their brains a little bit when we meet once a year, watching a lot more, watching a lot more film of other teams and what other people are doing, and uh, trying to make sure I'm not setting my ways and I'm always evolving what we're doing changing our offenses or changing what we're doing as a team, changing drills, I think has been a huge benefit to us the last two years. I've almost changed every drill. I've hired coaches from the outside too. Uh, I still have some GAs of guys that have played for me, but now I'm hiring people from the outside to get new, fresh ideas on what they've done. And that has been really beneficial uh, to me as a coach and growing, you know, I'm now an administrative role at Eastern as well. So you know, kind of seeing what everybody's doing and, you know, kind of bringing different flavor uh, to my program. But to be honest, I think that's somewhere if I had to say my biggest weakness, that'd probably be my weakness uh, is finding ways and doing more research and being, uh, I guess, learning how to be a better coach uh, is something that I would say I need to do a better job of. I'm such a family guy and put the most priority on my family that, that I always put that kind of stuff on the way back burner because um, I love my kids and, and my wife and, uh, you know, every chance I get, I take full advantage of that. And uh, so sometimes, you know, missing out on total conventions or opportunities to go learn and grow, I don't put that as a priority because I put my family as my priority. Um, but I, that'll never change. Um, that's just who I am. And you know that. And, yeah. uh, you know, when you get into our program, you see how important family really is. Um, so, but I need to do a better job on when I'm in the office of watching more of coaching and different stuff. And the emails that go out to us during the week, I do a lot better job of watching those and reading those on coaching tips and drills and stuff like that. But awesome. that's something I, I need to continue to grow at. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So, um, you know, I, I mentioned this to you earlier, but you can't really have a podcast in 2020 without talking about COVID. So. <laughs> Here's our, our uh, weekly COVID plug, if you will. Yeah. So how's the pandemic changed your view of, of the coaching profession? And how has it impacted your day-to-day -day operations and how you interact with your guys? Yeah. I, I think, you know, 
the COVID is, I've really struggled with COVID because of our schedules. You know, being an administrator, I was offset of my other administrator. So we wouldn't, if one of us got it, we both weren't out. Mm. So I would work three days a week at the office and two days from home and he would do vice versa. So that's been really tough, not being at campus every day, not being around the guys every day, not being able to have just guys come into my office. We weren't allowed. We only had one guy allowed at a time because we were in sessions. We were lucky enough to be in school, but it wasn't the same. And everybody knows that. And so I think missing out on those relationships has had a big toll on me. And I think our semester has showed that in terms of it took us a while to get close as a team, longer than it ever should even though we practiced all semester, we practiced 30 practices this mm. fall um, because the NCAA lifted some restrictions. So, you know, it took us a long time to get close. There was not much social stuff going on within the team because they weren't allowed. So you're not building, you don't get to know those guys. Our freshmen are so far behind because they missed a whole senior year. Yeah. So trying to get them integrated and, you know, uh, it was just really difficult. And then only being there three days a week was really tough because there too. I'm a dad. I'm teaching my son homeschool. Um, so it really has had a huge impact. I've had some tough days, some dark days, some struggling days um, where I was just like, I don't know if I can do this anymore because I felt like I wasn't being an effective coach. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's my biggest fear in life is not being effective anymore is when then I need to stop. And I need to move on and find something else to do because that's the whole role of a coach is to be an effective, being a mentor, leading guys, and holding them accountable to get to where they want to go. As soon as you don't feel that worth anymore, what's the point of being a coach in my opinion? So I've really struggled uh, personally with that this year, uh, with COVID and trying to navigate that. Being home has been great. Um, being around my family a lot more has been awesome. My kids love it. Um, you know, it used to be dad went to work every day. Now it's like a big shock when dad goes to work. <laughs> um, so that's different. You know, I, you know, I usually don't get, Kids never got upset when I went to work, but now they do because I'm home all the time. So that's a different dynamic to deal with with COVID. But it's really taught me the value of relationships and how much that is really important. And uh, it's really taught me that I need to learn a lot more technology that I'm so far behind on how to make this all work and Zooms and being able to, you know, but I think it's helped us with some team meetings and different aspects of that. But you know, we couldn't do overnights with recruiting. That's mm -hmm. really tough. But at Easter, that's what I think sells it the best yeah. is the guys, not me. It's the guys. So um, not being able to do that and get kids to believe in a place that they have to take my word for it and not really get to feel that and experience it. And we're all going through the same thing. But I think it's uh, not talking enough to people has been my problem, too, because everybody's dealing with it. I just put it all like I'm the only one going through this right now. I think if I would have talked to more people, I may have felt better about myself and know that you know I'm not the only one and talk to people about those issues. But you know, it has been tougher on me than I ever thought it would be. Um, you know, early on, I was like, "This is great. I'm home all the time. This is awesome. Uh, I'm getting projects done around the house." You know, now I think it's just uh, doing what we can to get these kids an experience that they'll never forget. Because right now, their experience isn't fun. This is something they won't forget, but not for the right reasons, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's hopefully we can give them something that's uh, worth their while here this spring. Um, and it's just trying to figure that out. And because every day I get a text from a different player. What's what are you hearing? What do you know? Do you think we're coming back? Do you think we're going to have a season? When do you think we'll start playing? I mean, it's a different question every day because they're starting to now. Are we even going to do this? Yeah. Is it going to happen? So it's trying to manage that.
It really is. And, um, you know, I see my drive slipping. Imagine those kids, how bad their drive is slipping. Right. And uh, that's where I need to check myself at the door and be that bright light for those guys. Yeah. No, I appreciate you being real about that. It's, uh, it's definitely affected us all in, in different ways and um, hasn't, hasn't been any fun at all, that's for sure. So I appreciate the, the candor there. Um, so uh, let's bring up the mood a little bit. Uh, I just have like five fun questions to ask you. Um, you know, our kind of our rapid questions, and then we'll finish out with some closing thoughts. Um, so, ready for some some? Let's some do it. Fun. Yeah, oh, that's, uh, let's up yeah. this up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brought my mood down. <laughs> All right, favorite food. Favorite food. Man, I love food, and I love to eat. But uh, I'm a steak guy. Steak guy. What what temperature? Medium rare. Let's go. Got to have some pink in there. I mean, it's, it. the juices. You take the pink out, you lose your juice. You <laughs> need it. the juice. Oh, yeah. You're a grill master, too. I know. Yeah. Getting better. There you go. Uh, favorite place you've ever visited and why? Man, that's a good question, too. I'm probably going to have to say Mount Tremblant and outside Montreal. I went skiing there once, and it was like Disneyland in the snow, and that's what they say <laughs> about the place. But the mountain was huge. It was just so peaceful, so fun. There's like town within the mountain. Um, went with some buddies, and uh, it was awesome. Actually, we were in college, and uh, it was a great experience. It was a great time, and just a beautiful place. So, and I love to ski. It's like one of my favorite non-across things I like to do is I love to ski. Funny thing is, me and my wife both love to ski, and we've never been skiing since we've been dating. So. <laughs> um been together but uh you know it was beautiful it was just so peaceful you had two sides of the mountain to go down and uh you know it was unbelievable ski out your townhouse and ski wherever you wanted to go and ski right back to it when you were done and that was just really cool it was so isolated and just peaceful and nice um you know i'm probably thinking that because there's snow on the ground right now around me sure. it's winter time and i want to be skiing and i'm not <laughs> um but you know I've been, I haven't been many places to be honest, but between that and I'd say Mexico City, the Aztec pyramids were another, another place that were unbelievable. Awesome. Favorite coaching book you've ever read? Uh, it's gotta be Coach K's Leading with the Heart. It's just been my base. It's been my, been my rock since day one. Nice. Favorite sport outside of lacrosse? I'm going to say college, probably college football. I get really into Penn State. I'm a Penn State guy and get really into it. Um, but that and college basketball are my two favorite sports. But you can catch me watching the most random sports anytime. I'll watch college softball and my wife thinks I'm <laughs> nuts. Uh, I just love sports. Yeah. And uh, it's just my DNA and who I am. But, you know, probably right now because it's college football season. But, you know, I, I would say I really get into it. Just love the passion. Just love the whole energy around it. Going to a college, big time college D1 football game, there's nothing like it. The tailgating, the experience, the camaraderie, 110,000 people in a stadium. It, it's unbelievable. All right. Last one. Greatest coaching memory. Well, this is easy um, for me and probably easy for you, but my greatest memory is obviously that 2012 team. My first year as the head coach. No one thought we should be there. No one gave us a chance. We beat Widener, who won 12 consecutive conference titles before us. 
the first, you know, last time that conference was ever having a combined conference title because the conference was splitting the next year. And we were able to win in overtime, came back from six goals down. We were down six at halftime. Um, and we came back and won. It's uh, just, it's been the rock of our team since that time. It's been who we've always never given up. We've always fought. We've over overcome obstacles. We're a group of guys that weren't supposed to be good. And uh, we were able to find a way to win that day. And uh, I'll never forget that day. It still, you know, gives me chills to this day. And you can watch, I can watch that game over and over again. And, uh, you know, still see you raising your hands over your head when I call that timeout. And, and, you know, people yelling at me for calling that timeout when Eric Weibel scores a goal. But, um, you know, just everything about it, just everything about it. My brother coming up to me after the game, like, we finally won something. We never win, uh, which was true. Like, in high school, we were always solid at athletics, but we never won a conference championship. We never yeah. won anything. In college, we never went to the conference playoffs when I was at Ursinos. My brother, you know, never, you know, I think he went to the Final Four in JUCO, but they lost in the first round. And then he went to St. Mary's, you know, other than beating Salisbury once. They never won anything. Um, so we've never won anything. And so he was like, just my whole family was ecstatic because we finally won something. And, uh, it was cool. It was uh, definitely a day I'll never forget. And, uh, you know, that time of year is always special. And my wife still gets chilled and teary eyed to this day about all, you know, that whole experience. And, uh, you know, it's been uh, a ton of fun. It's been eight years. It's nuts. Going on about. nine this year. Yeah. It's nuts to think about. We're getting old. 10-year reunion is going to be fun. I've seen oh, yeah. It. Oh, yeah. No, that was a great day. Never forget it. All right. So uh, then just a couple of closing thoughts to round out our time. Who who would you consider to be a part of your coaching tree? Yeah, I mean, I obviously you. It's yeah. my first and foremost part of my coaching tree. You know, you started your coaching career underneath me, and then, you know, you were really, really – awesome at what you did so you were able to move on and go to frostburg and get a really good experience there and then obviously when this job presented itself at calvin it was a no-brainer for you uh at the time you had nothing holding you back it was a great opportunity for you to go and obviously it was the best move you ever made you got no your wife found your <laughs> wife there so uh you know it was uh an awesome thing so uh coach siren who's a full-time assistant at mount union put there you know a lot of guys it's, you know, Coach Jinks, who's now a high school coach back at home. You know, he had some opportunities to move on and move up, but he got a full-time teaching job, so I had to take it. Uh, I got Coach Piper and Coach uh, Finelli coming soon. Um, you know, I think they're going to be really, really good and be the next ones to, to, to go. But it's crazy. I've only I've been only coaching really for going on my, I guess, what, uh, eighth year as a head coach? Yeah. You know, 2021 would be, yeah, my ninth year, I guess. Mm -hmm. 22 will be my 10th, um, ninth year as a head coach. And so I haven't had like coach Kendrick's been with me since day one, yeah. you know, other than yourself and some guys that were, you know, quick ins and outs, just being the location. I'm lucky enough to have a really good location. Cool. So guys can just be part time or, you know, maybe coaching is not what they always want to do, but a way to get a really good master's degree, uh, and move up the ladder in their business world. So yeah. That's kind of the guys I usually get, but you know, Coach Siren yourself would be in my tree. So it's not too big, but you it's know, growing, it's, it's growing. It's <laughs> going to get bigger. You know, we'll keep that tree going, but we're still we're still babies, infants in the coaching world. Yeah, um, which is crazy enough when you think about it. It's hard. It's hard to get you know 
you know, those guys down at Lynchburg and Gettysburg, their trees are huge. <laughs> They've been doing it a long, long time. So I'm hoping ours looks something like that by the time we're all done. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. All right, two last questions. What advice would you give to a young, aspiring head coach that you wish you knew before you became a head coach? Yeah, I would say be ready. You never know when your opportunity is going to present itself. And don't be afraid to take a risk. Uh, I took a huge risk moving across the country to get into college, not knowing that that would be where this would end up. And don't be afraid to take a risk um, and, and go for what you want. And if you want to be a head coach, go for it. No one can stop you. You'll get there. You know, have, make those coaches hold you accountable that are coach, that are your head coaches or responsible for you, your boss. That way you can get to where you want to go. And um, I think that's something that I learned a lot was always be ready. And you never know what you're going to be able to get to or where you're going to be able to get to when that time presents itself. So everything happens for a reason. And uh, if you want to be a coach, don't be afraid to take a chance. Awesome. All right. Last, last thing here. Finish this sentence. When it's all said and done, successful coaches are. Successful coaches are, are great leaders. And when you can lead, people will follow. Love it. Best leader in life is Jesus. He led and everybody followed. So. When you are a great leader, people will follow and want to be what you are. So, awesome. I don't know why that took me so long to answer that. No, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> we can cut out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> trying to put away for like culture or something. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> no. Um, well, great. I just want to say I, I really appreciate you know your time today, and you know I definitely want to make sure that everyone that will listen to this knows how much you mean to me as as a mentor and as a man of faith and you know as my first boss in this business and you know i i learned some invaluable you know lessons about life and and coaching and just how to be uh you know a good father a good husband a, a good coach and from you um and so i really appreciate all that you've given to me i wouldn't be sitting here on this podcast with you today if it if it weren't for you and uh, the way that you cared about me as a player and a coach. So thank you. I appreciate that, Dave. You know, obviously it's guys like you that keep us going and keep us wanting to do this and uh, being able to, you know, see people like you get to where they want to be in life is why I, I do what I do. You know, you wanted to do something when you came to college and boom, you've accomplished it. You know, I, I think that's, you know, uh, what coaches are, are meant to be. It's guys holding each other accountable, mentors, and get you to where you want to go in your life. And uh, I really enjoy it. And thanks for having me on. You know, I love being able to give back and, and, and help. And if I can be a resource to anybody, please uh, reach out. Awesome. Awesome. Well, great. Well, thank you again for the time today. Uh, love you, Coach. And um, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Dave. Love you, too. Take care. That's our show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Coach Kevin Wallace. I know I certainly did. Hope you learned a lot. If you like what you heard, please hit subscribe, give us a rating, give us some feedback. We'd love to hear it to keep making this podcast better. And look out for new episodes coming the first and third Friday of each month. Until next time, stay safe and keep watering your tree. <laughs>